0: Hi there, Danae here. Today, I'm sharing 10 simple things that I say to my kids. Although this episode is less about using these exact words, and more about understanding the ideas in which they are rooted. Hi, this is Danae. I'm the founder of Simple Families. Simple Families is an online community for parents who are seeking a simpler, more intentional life. In this show, we focus on minimalism with kids, positive parenting, family wellness, and decreasing the mental load. My perspectives are based in my firsthand experience raising kids, but also rooted in my PhD in child development. So you're going to hear conversations that are based in research, but more importantly, real life. Thanks for joining us. Hi, and thanks for tuning in. Today, I am bringing you a list of 10 simple things that I say to my kids. This episode originally aired two years ago in the summer of 2020. And not surprising, even though my kids are older now, these are still things that I say to my kids all the time. Most of these phrases will work and really be meaningful for kids of all ages. Now, you don't need to take these things verbatim. Take them and make them your own, however they suit you. Before we get into that, I want to comment a little bit about last week's episode with Eve Rodsky. got a lot of feedback on that episode, and it was either love it or hate it. A lot of people really enjoyed and took away a lot from the episode, and a lot of others were really upset by it. And I'm not surprised. In the preface to that episode, I said that I wasn't quite 100% confident and comfortable in airing it. And the reason for that was that I feel like the content of the episode was very black and white, right and wrong, love it, hate it, very absolute in nature. And whenever I'm presenting ideas to you on the podcast, if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know, I always say, take what works for you and leave what doesn't. I want to present you with new ideas and the ones that resonate with you, the ones you find helpful. You can take those and run with it, but also not feel ashamed or feel wrong for leaving behind the things that don't. You are allowed to disagree with experts. You are allowed to disagree with things you hear on this podcast or any other podcast or form of media. Now, the past year I've been leaning more into interviews, and I think this is something that's going to be coming up time and time again, is that I'm going to be interviewing people that don't necessarily talk to you the way that I talk to you. And I run into this with my kids too, right? What happens when other adults are talking to my kids in a way that's different than the way that I talk to them, maybe not my preferred way. It for sure makes me uncomfortable because I do try to be really intentional with my words. I don't think that shutting them out and silencing them is the answer. It's tricky. And I intentionally aired Julia Bogart's episode on raising critical thinkers before Eve Rodsky's episode, because I did anticipate that many of us were going to need to use those critical thinking skills when listening. So feel free to send me your feedback as always. I love hearing from you all but know that I am constantly trying to strike this balance of presenting you with new ideas and information in a way that is sensitive and kind and meaningful. And I'm sorry if that episode or any others that you hear on the podcast don't necessarily sit quite right with you. I truly appreciate you and I'm glad that you're here. Without further ado, here's today's episode and the 10 simple things that I say to my kids. These are things that they are probably going to inscribe in my gravestone when I die. No kidding. Okay, maybe they'll just pick one of these 10 things. So I'm sharing these 10 things because these are things that I use frequently, and I intentionally repeat myself. I'm intentionally repetitive with my words because I think that when we use the same phrases repeatedly, we can drive home important points for our kids. I know that many of us get really overwhelmed trying to say the right thing all the time. It can feel like a lot of pressure to quote unquote say the right thing, especially when we're dealing with relationships, because intimate relationships tend to be emotionally charged. So we often say things we don't mean or say things that just kind of spill out of our mouths like verbal diarrhea. If this sounds like you, if this sounds familiar, then you may benefit from having some clear cut phrases that you use repeatedly. Because once you get in the habit of using these phrases, they're going to come more naturally. They're going to come easier during times of stress, during times of overwhelm, during times of verbal diarrhea, during times when you feel like you're at your wit's end and you have no idea what to do and no idea what to say. It's like most things when it comes to parenting or just learning in general, We often have to hear things multiple times for them to really sink in, for them to really become ingrained into our minds. So you might want to listen to this episode more than once. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get started with number one. Sometimes we get angry with each other, but we still love each other. If you've been listening to the podcast for some time, you've probably heard me talk about this phrase before, and I made this one number one because it's probably my most commonly used one. So why does this phrase matter? Sometimes we get angry with each other, but we still love each other. Well, this phrase matters because children tend to think in black and white, in all or nothing. We recently did an episode on this, on absolute thinking. This is developmentally normal for our kids to think in absolutes like this, but it can be hurtful to us as adults. But if you could get inside the mind of your child, you would know that it's actually really hard for them to understand this dichotomy, that we can still love each other and be angry with each other at the same time. I love you, I hate you, you're my best friend, you're my worst enemy. It's hard for our kids to see the gray area in between. So when we get upset with them or when they get upset with us and these angry feelings are exchanged, it's not uncommon for our kids to fear that our love might be turned off like a light switch. So in our house, we end every argument, every dispute with this phrase. Sometimes we get angry with each other, but we still love each other. It's not an apology. I'm not apologizing for my feelings or even what I said. It's an acknowledgement. It's an acknowledgement that I know my kids think in black and white, but I'm going to make darn sure that they know that my love is absolute and unconditional, even if I'm angry or even if they're angry and have done and said things that they're not proud of. Number two, it sounds like you don't prefer this. Kids are allowed to say no. They're allowed to opt out of things. But sometimes when they do it, they use words that we don't particularly love as adults. They don't say it politely. This food is gross. I don't like him. I hate this toy. I won't play that game. So we could spend all day telling our kids what we don't want to hear. Don't say that. Stop saying that. Don't be mean. You're so rude. Or instead of criticizing their criticisms, we could lead by example. What if we could respond with the words we want to hear instead? In the early years, as their language is developing, they will adapt to the words that we use, but it takes time. Don't expect to see change overnight. So this is why I respond to most complaints and negativity with this saying. It sounds like you don't prefer this. This allows me to acknowledge their choice and reflect back some new more desirable language that gets filed away in their brains and hopefully to be used in the future. Think about this like planting seeds. Number three, as your mom, it's my job to keep your brain and your body healthy. So if your kids are anything like mine, you hear requests like this. Can I have candy? I need more iPad time. I don't want to go outside. Can I have whipped cream for breakfast? All of those things have been said in my house this week, maybe today. (laughs) Our kids are persistent, and often they want things that we don't want to give them. Full disclosure, I actually use this phrase for me just as much as I do for them. As your mom, it's my job to keep your brain and body healthy. So you see, this saying gives me strength. It makes me feel empowered to stay rooted in my principles so that I don't waver it also helps my kids to recognize that I'm not just quote unquote being mean. I'm actually doing my job. My job as a mother is to keep my kids healthy and safe. So here's a specific example of how I use this recently. I said this to my son. I know, I know you don't want to go on a hike. You just want to stay home and watch TV. But as your mom, it's my job to keep your brain and your body healthy And that means I have to feed you good food and make sure that you move your body a lot. I know it's not what you want to hear, but I'm just doing my job. I feel like in some ways this kind of lifts the responsibility off my shoulders and allows my kids to believe that there is a higher power that I am answering to, an ultimate parental authority that's going to be checking in on me to make sure that I'm doing my job, which sometimes I kind of wish there was. All right, let's go on to number four. I feel like I'm about to get angry." So I don't love this one, but it does serve a purpose. So I don't really love it because it feels like a threat. But these sayings aren't about being perfect, they're about being real. So here's why I use this one, even though I don't totally love it. Anger has the tendency to simmer quietly inside of our minds and then explode. So when you're trying to hold in your agitation, you might be sitting and simmering in silence, thinking about all the things that are driving you crazy. And then all of a sudden, you're yelling. You just can't hold it in anymore. You go from zero to 100. So when I use this phrase, I feel like I'm about to get angry. It's like me going from zero to 50 instead of zero to 100. I'm not totally calm when I'm saying it, but I'm also showing some personal restraint. It prevents the full on explosion for me. So, when I notice myself start to get increasingly agitated, like I'm on the path to yelling, I'll say it out loud. I feel like I'm about to get angry. This serves as a warning sign for myself and the people around me that I am doing my darn best to hold it together and not explode. And most of the time, it works. My kids usually step back and they give me a little bit of breathing room. And I take some deep breaths and I can calm myself down. So mostly I do it for myself, but I also do it for my kids because they're watching and they're listening and they're seeing me use this self-talk to mediate these intense feelings before they get to be unbearable, before I lose it. They're seeing me take the deep breaths. They're learning how to regulate their emotions by watching me regulate my emotions And if I was perfectly happy and perfectly calm all the time, I wouldn't be giving them very many learning opportunities. So maybe they should be thanking me for this one, right? All right, number five, you are more than pretty. You are brave, strong, kind, and clever. In this world that we live in, pretty gets a lot of emphasis. So don't be surprised if your little girl or maybe even little boy approaches you frequently to ask, Do I look pretty and don't be surprised if strangers stop you in the grocery store to shower him or her with praise of how pretty she is or how handsome he is. So how do I respond? Well, I start by affirming my daughter and I say, yes, you are beautiful, but you're so much more than that. You are brave, strong, kind, and clever. So as with all these simple sayings, we use this on repeat. And by using this phrase repeatedly, we're planting these important seeds. It's fine and lovely to be pretty, but it's just a very small part of who we are as women. We are so much more than pretty. We're gonna pause for a one minute break from today's sponsor. The sponsor for today is Shopify. I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. It's more than a store. It allows you to connect with your customers, drive sales and manage your day-to-day. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So, upstarts, startups, established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Go to shopify.com/simple all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com simple right now. shopify.com simple. Number six, I'm still learning. I'm a work in progress. I had this poignant moment with my daughter a few months ago. She had a runny nose, and I kept swooping in to catch it before it dripped. You know, responsive parenting 101. Well, this infuriated her. She didn't mind me wiping her nose, but she just didn't want me jumping in and putting my hands all up in her face without warning. You know, she just wanted a little respect, which I loved. She wanted me to ask permission before wiping. Totally reasonable, right? And it seemed simple, but it wasn't, because I kept doing it. Despite her numerous requests, I still impulsively wiped her nose. Jumped right up in there, stuck my hands in her face, started wiping. And you know, I found myself apologizing because she asked me not to do it, and I kept doing it. And I found myself saying this, I'm sorry, I'm still learning. You know, because even as a full grown adult, I'm still learning and I frequently get it wrong. I am a work in progress, just like my kids. And I'm thankful that the people around me are willing to give me the time and the space and the compassion to learn and make mistakes. Because sometimes I do make mistakes. Sometimes I drop stuff and sometimes I break stuff. Sometimes I yell and cry. Sometimes I mess up and sometimes I do stupid stuff that they ask me a million times not to do. And it's important for me to remember these things, that I do all these things as an adult, because I need reminders that it's okay for my kids to do these things too. I'm raising little humans and they are going to frequently get it wrong because they too are a work in progress. And I'm not going to expect perfectly obedient behavior. Instead, I'm going to expect that... Sometimes they're going to make mistakes. Sometimes they're going to drop stuff. Sometimes they're going to break stuff. Sometimes they're going to yell. Sometimes they're going to cry. Sometimes they're going to mess up. And sometimes they're going to do stupid stuff that I ask them a million times not to do. And what am I going to do? I'm going to do my best to offer them the time and space and compassion to learn and grow And then I'm probably gonna revert back to number four and use, I feel like I'm about to get angry because I too am a work in progress. And even though I don't expect my kids to be perfectly obedient, I'm not always gonna stay calm. Number seven, it sounds like you need some personal space. As kids are growing, they're learning to communicate their needs. In the early years, it's pretty rare that these needs get communicated gracefully. Instead, you might hear them saying to you or to their siblings or to their peers, things like, get away from me. Leave me alone. I don't want you here. Go away. Sometimes we get so caught up in the way that the message is being delivered that we can't even hear the message. Here's an example. I'm going to give you two scenarios, scenario A and scenario B. So here's A. Your child is feeling irritated, and she screams at you, go away. Your authoritarian instincts kick in and say, she can't talk to me like that. I need to discipline her. So you get in her face, and you firmly declare that she can't speak to adults that way, and she's in big trouble. Then you find yourself carrying on about how rude she's being, and it's really hard to let it go because you feel so triggered. You might even put her in timeout. And then you end the interaction feeling like you kind of sort of disciplined her, but you're not really sure if you did the right thing. The truth is that sometimes we get irritated as humans, adults, and kids. And sometimes we need personal space. And that is a perfectly reasonable request. And really in this scenario, that's what she wanted. She wanted a little bit of personal space. She just didn't communicate it in the way that you wanted her to. And now the result is you probably have another battle on your hands. Temporarily put aside the way that the message is delivered. Then we can help to give our kids new words to communicate their needs. And we can do this by reflecting back the words that we want to hear. And I'm telling you, that is disciplining. Because to discipline means to teach. All right, number eight. Can you tell me more about what you're doing? So with this one, I always approach with inquisition, not accusation. Here's an example. One day I heard this crazy ruckus outside of my house and I walked out and my son was running back and forth along the stone pavers in our backyard. And he had a metal shovel and he was running back and forth and back and forth banging and banging on the stone pavers. My first inclination was to scream, knock it off. You're going to break something. But instead of going to accusation, I led with inquisition. So I took a deep breath and I walked out and calmly asked, hey, can you tell me more about what you're doing here? So I did this and he told me that he was making music. And at second glance, he wasn't really behaving erratically after all. He was pretending that the stones were a giant xylophone and the metal shovel was a mallet. And each stone was making different sounds based on their sizes. So instead of being mad, I was actually kind of impressed with his creativity. So what did I do? I told him that he could continue as long as he wasn't damaging anything. So he and I walked around and checked all the stones and they were unharmed. So I let him carry on. We have to remind ourselves that sometimes there's a method to their madness and we just have to pause and figure out what it is. We can always strive to approach with inquisition, wondering about what they're doing rather than accusation, because there might be some serious exploratory learning going on. Number nine. Okay, let's do it together. So last night I did not feel like cooking dinner. I cook dinner every night and it's just part of my regular routine, but there are days when I just don't want to. Days when I'm tired and overwhelmed and cooking dinner is something I do naturally and normally every day. It just feels hard. And on those days, I would give anything to have someone sneak up behind me and cheerfully say, okay, well, let's do it together. How wonderful would it be for someone to walk up and offer a helping hand? How wonderful would it be for someone to walk up and say, okay, let's do it together when I'm struggling. So this is the phrase that I use when I want to break down resistance in my kids, because we all need a helping hand, even with things we do every day, even with things we already know how to do. What I'm doing here is I'm teaching my kids that family is about working together and collaboration. And to do that, I'm willing to jump in and model this as a family value. When I can help, I'll help. You don't want to put your shoes on? Okay, let's do it together. I'll put one on and you put on the other. You don't want to clean up the toys? Okay, let's do it together. I'll clean up this pile and you get the other one. When I'm available, I don't hesitate to help. I don't hesitate to collaborate with my kids because as they grow and they see me struggle with something simple like cooking dinner, do I want them to turn to me and say, but mama, you already know how to do this. You are old enough to cook dinner. No, I want them to jump in and say, let's do it together. I want them to offer up help and to support each other as siblings and to support me and to support my husband and to support other people in need. Last but not least, number 10. Wow, you're working really hard on that. So I'm the kind of person that has a hard time keeping my mouth shut. If my kids are working really hard at something and they're immersed in it, the best thing would probably be just to let them be. But sometimes I feel inclined to say something. And when I do, I'll try to praise hard work. Now, praising hard work and noticing what my kids are doing is really moving towards a growth mindset. This idea, if we work hard, we can accomplish anything that we put our minds to. So if my kids are immersed in something, they're working really hard at something, instead of walking in and being disruptive and asking questions or giving suggestions, I might just comment, wow, you're working really hard on that. It allows me to say something. It allows me to notice them without making it about me without derailing whatever it is that they're so focused on. All right, I hope you've enjoyed these 10 things. These were a lot of fun to put together. Some of these might sound familiar to you because I have talked about them on the podcast before, and I'm going to keep talking about them because just like our kids need repetition, so do we. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to get the show notes for today, go to simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 315. As always, thanks for tuning in and have a good one.